Hi, Amy. Welcome to the show. Hi. You are a hematologist. For those of us that may not be as familiar, could you tell us about what it is and what do you do? Yeah, sure. So a hematologist, basically, it is a one of the subspecialty under the umbrella of internal medicine. So I actually worked three years as basic trainee in internal medicine at my hospital, and then further subspecialized into my higher physician training, and that would be hematology and oncology. So basically, I deal with a lot of patients struggling with both malignant and benign part of hematology. So malignant meaning blood cancer, so leukemia, lymphoma patient, also a lot of these. There is like hundred types of different cancers under that. And um, as for benign hematology, that would be anything related to like the red cell, white cell, and the planet. And just as your friend, I've learned more and more about this as you tell me about your work day, but is it something that you always knew you wanted to get into or how did the specialization come about for you? Well, I think it is definitely very God-led, like the whole decision to come into this specialty. Actually, I thought I would be a surgeon when I was a medical student. I actually built my whole CV with all the like clinical attachment in surgery ward and stuff. But as soon as I become a houseman and really become a doctor after graduating from med school, I realized I want to be a doctor who care more about the holistic care of a patient. Like not only specialize in doing a surgery, but also care a lot about other things. Hematology is an area I really never thought of entering. I'm curious about cancer, but hematology just seems so difficult, just so, like so challenging. I mean, if you're a, a medical professional, then you definitely know that there's a lot of genetic mutations, a lot of complexity with this topic. But I think ultimately it is, it is really God who lead me like step by step, open up opportunities for me to to taste the goodness of hematology. And I just grow so interested in this topic that I decide to really learn more about it. So hematology, you work with patients of all ages too. Is that right? Starting from 18 years old, I, I work in adult medicine. When you made the choice of going to the hospital that you're going to, a larger public hospital, maybe busier than some of the private hospitals, but you really felt like God led you to take on your current, your current hospital. Do you want yeah. to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So as soon as I decided I want to enter into internal medicine, I started looking to big hospital in Hong Kong. Like one thing for sure, definitely work in big acute medical hospital that has an emergency room. That, that's where you can get to see like a wide range of disease and really have a lot of people. I can serve patient from different backgrounds, you know, from with different income levels. Actually, a lot of my patients are from low-income families. A lot of them were like homeless people, drug addicts, and even prisoners because our hospital is one of the like, custodial hospitals in Hong Kong. So apart from all these, we also got a lot of like private hospital like surrounding our hospital. So we also got a lot of referral from private practitioner with patients who cannot afford like private care anymore. So I think it is very interesting as there is a lot of different patients that I can take care of. So that's mm -hmm. the reason why I want to choose this hospital. Just expose me to a wider range of disease because I think ultimately if you want to become a competent doctor, you need to be exposed to a wide range of diseases. And, and I also think that this is a place that God calls me to, not just to serve the rich, but also to serve the poor. 
That was actually one of my questions I was going to ask you, because as you describe your work, it's not for everybody. Like you really care for people in such a difficult time in their life. Some of them, they're at the end of their life and you see aspect of the human condition that not everybody does. And I feel like it might not be easy. How do you stay strong and not become, <clears throat> excuse me, like callous and jaded when you see death and struggle? Well, it is actually very difficult. Can I just yeah. tell you, like throughout all these years, I think if, it, if I just do and work as a doctor of just my own strength, it is impossible. But with God, it is possible. I think I can really see God's faithfulness throughout all these years. And interestingly, actually too, this year is my seventh year of becoming a doctor. Special. And, yeah, and I, as I was like preparing this um, interview and like thinking about what God has done in my years as like the resident training, I realized like seven years of faithfulness is even biblical, right? The, the number of the years. And he has really shaped me and molded me to become the doctor I am now. Like, um, Definitely, definitely, I wouldn't tell you it is easy. There are so many burnout moments that I have in the hospital that I just don't think it is possible for me to like overcome alone with my own strength. Can you talk us through maybe a day in the life? I know probably no two days are the same, but is there a time where you do quiet time at the hospital or do you pray throughout the day, worship? What does that look like? So I usually start my day with my morning prayer time, just quiet time to prepare my heart for the day. I think realize this is a very crucial part because if I do not do that, sometimes, I mean, my work is busy. You just skip that part of the day and I just become so agitated and just restless throughout the day. But every time when I cultivate my morning prayer time, devotional, reading Bible, and just like communicate with God, I will always, always pray for peace, his guidance and just more patience, kindness, and gentleness to show to my patients. I realize it really, really prepare my heart. It's just such a great start of the day. So usually for me, a day as a hematologist, after my personal time, I usually start at seven o'clock and start with the walk run first to see my patients from different medical wards. And then I would go to the morning clinic at around like 11 o'clock and to see my hematology patients. That usually overrun because like the, there's a lot of patients as well. Our caseload in our hospital is quite huge. So like usually end up at around two o'clock. Now have a late lunch. Then afternoon usually would be grand round or journal club or like, you know, just scientific meetings, stuff like that. And then I would go back and review my patient in the hospital ward. So usually that is a, usual, a normal day for me as a hematologist. So it sounds like you see a lot of patients regularly. They're in the hospital for a period of time. We need to see both inpatient and outpatient. So inpatient meaning patient who got admitted via the emergency department or patient who got clinically admitted for chemotherapy, like things like that. So this, these are inpatient. These are what I do with the morning walk round and the like actually walk round. And yeah, the outpatient meaning the clinic, like people mm -hmm. who come for checkups and we prescribe medicine okay. and follow up like maybe like a few months later. So I think, I mean, this is just a side note, but I love that like God brought us together in a course at church and we've become such good friends yeah. because we're so different. Like I don't know at all what it's like to work in a hospital. I've been in a hospital like three times in my whole life, but you know, as like 
sisters in Christ, we connect on God. And then I feel like I learned so much more about how God is moving in a different aspect of the world. It's really cool. So yeah. happy to have you as my friend. Like yeah. really <laughs> all these years, God really, you know, built both of us together, like through the encouragement, the inspiration. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like without a good community of friends, it is so difficult for us to just thrive alone. Like yeah. there's, there's biblical truth in two lifting each other up. I mean, like yeah. so for us to stay in the community with friends, just like speaking truth and light into your life. So you're one of them. Thank you. <laughs> All right, back at you. Maybe we can talk about community then, because um, I hope that we will talk a little bit more about your works. I find it so interesting. But on the aspect of community, as a doctor, you're regularly working on call, which means you work how many hours in a row? Usually 30 hours to 36 hours. Yeah. So you've got a really busy work schedule. You are really close with your family. You've got mm -hmm. a lot of really close friends and you also serve at church and you also go on dates and you also play the harp. You like drawing and painting and playing tennis. Not Amy has the perfect solution, but I do find it really interesting because for all the listeners, I think Amy is also one of my most peace friends and so what's your secret how do you maintain like this joy amidst all of the life things right right okay thank you first for speaking <laughs> so highly of me for sure i need to i need to say one thing like the on-call hours are real i work really long hours at work like sometimes even to a point that i know that there are certain areas in my life just certain things i need to sacrifice like for mm -hmm. example when when my friends go on to like boat trip or activities together, I need to say no because I just don't have the time or energy to go for it. But I think it's so important for us to also learn the importance of rest. I mean, like God created seven days, right? And he always stressed the importance of Sabbath. Mm. Sabbath rest is so important because without that, it is so difficult for us just to keep going. And I think a big question that is in my head as well throughout the years is how to strike a work-life balance. And I, I'm sure for a lot of people who go through the same thing as us as well, like how do we balance work, like the heavy work, but also able to enjoy life. So I feel like we always need to know what is important to us. For example, time with friends are so precious that I know I need to cultivate it. I need to spend more time with it. And because talking to friends, spending enough rest, just also give me so much peace that I know it is, um, if, if it is something that I give up, I wouldn't be the person I am now. I wouldn't always have peace. I think it's very important to always remind yourself, what do you like to do? What are your hobbies? What are your interests? What are the people that are important to you? Really, really set apart time to do this. You really need to be intentional. I remember vividly, like, there's one time that I'm post-call. Post-call means like I work for 36 hours straight. So I get up at like five o'clock and that I really want to spend time with my family. I asked my mom to wake me up at like, you know, dinner time. But I think probably she saw that I'm so tired. I basically passed out. I was like sleeping and I didn't set my alarm because I thought my mom would call me, wake me up. But then apparently the next time when I regain my consciousness, when I'm awake, it was like seven o'clock. That's right. At 7 a.m. So that's my personal time because I went into a coma because I was too tired from work. Yeah. And I mean, rest is important, right? But to me, I just feel like I lost part of my personal life because I want to sleep. I mean, the chronic fatigue and burnout is real for a lot of doctors. 
But the more burnout I feel, the more I think it's so important for us to just carve out time for rest and do things that you love. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's such a good point because burnout has become more and more of a topic that people are familiar with, but I think it's still a bit misunderstood. Like, does burnout just mean you're tired and you're feeling stressed or is burnout like it's been a couple of months and you actually are feeling like more severe symptoms? I feel like it's a term that people have different interpretations of what it means. I don't know if you feel like that's that. That's right. That's right. I think it's just any time that you feel very unbalanced, you feel like you lost one some of your personal sense. As in like who you are as a person, you kind of forgot because you were too busy um, yeah. at your workplace. So I think yeah. it actually happened to a lot of people who live in the city right now. Maybe mm. especially during the COVID pandemic, because we, we lost the social interaction that we need. Humans are created to be relational. It's just so yeah. difficult for us to just, you know, like work every day, live every day on our own. Well, definitely treasure the time that you can have with your family and friends. I just want to point out, there are so many things that we can explore in this world. I just feel like the world is so beautiful. There are just so many things that we can enjoy and have fun. And and it's very important that we always keep this childlike heart that we, mm-hmm. we just want to see more about this world, uh, that it's full of creativity. And, and it's so amazing because it's full of God's design as well. Sometimes because it, it, you, you can really work um, to a point that you just feel so tired, you don't care anymore about what happened in this world because you cannot mm. even take care of yourself. You are chronically in this survival mode. Mm. But I think all the more we need to have a renewed mind. It's like a renewed heart that is set in the Bible, right? We need to be transformed to be able to see the beauty of this world. I think this is also very important. And this is the mm. kind of life God calls us to lead. So much more, so much more abundant, but yeah. not focusing our own like little problem and little world. Yeah, it's such a good point because it's trusting in God's timing and God's ways. Because I think when you get ambitious at work, when you start to see some success and it seems like it's because of your hard work, you can want to work harder, you can want to put in more hours, get more specializations, pass that exam, and then that becomes your focus and then we can idolize work. So maybe jumping back to a day in the life at the hospital, because I'm really, really fascinated personally about how you care for patients because you do build relationships with them, right? You're caring for them. You know, how are you doing today? Are you feeling better? How's your symptom here? When a lot of times people are in a lot of pain, not just physically, but also emotionally. And maybe if they feel like they are uh, to be a bit blunt, like if they feel like they might be close to death, then they might have questions. Do you feel like it's appropriate to ask them? Or have you ever had any situations where maybe a patient has asked you, like, Dr. Tai, do you have a religion? Like, <laughs> any sorts of conversations like this? Yeah, definitely. Actually, I feel like, like, sufferings and diseases are, like, one of the best moments for people to question faith, to ask about the existence of God. Actually, I have a, quite a lot of patients like open up to me and ask if I have any faith. I was like, wow, it's so awesome. It's like the perfect way for me to spread gospel. Mm-hmm. Like, because they really want to see hope in the midst mm-hmm. of difficulty. And, and I mean, like, you know, God is our refuge and our strength. He's our ever-present help in times of troubles, right? I feel like God always listens. And the one thing I will always tell my patient is really need to come before him and just have a heart to seek him. Like, I mean, that God always 
show when we shout out to him and we like really yell for help, right? Like a lot of my patients are actually long questions. Sometimes I have to be the one who start a conversation, which I love to. I'll always start a conversation with like, hey, do you have any faith? And they will be like, oh, I don't believe in anything. And I will be like, oh, right. I'm actually a Christian. Can I bless you? I will say it like this. Because I realize sometimes if I say, can I pray for you? They don't really like the word pray because they don't have any God, right? They don't even know God. But if I say, can I bless you? No one will reject blessings. Everyone mm. loves blessing, especially when they are suffering. So I realize this is a very good way to kickstart our conversation. So as I start to bless my patient, I would pray that invite Jesus to be in the midst of the difficulty and be with us and just like briefly talk about it. And usually after the prayer, they will always ask me, so who is Jesus? And mm. why do I need to believe in him? And is that just the perfect opportunity to share our faith? And then how do you pray about work and for your patients? Do you do, you do that? Yeah, I do it a lot in my personal time. I think it's so important. Like what I told you, sometimes in morning prayer time, I just really need to have this peace in my mind and also in my heart that God conquered the world and we have peace that surpasses all understanding that will guide our heart and mind. I think a lot of time I need to pray for humility first and also with a, pray for wisdom and guidance throughout the day. That's something that is so interesting to me about you is that you rely on God so much and you believe it wholeheartedly in a profession where I think a lot of people feel like it's very brain oriented. Like I will get into med school if I study a lot, if I cut out all socials, if I, you know, it's just like, I need to work hard so I can be a doctor and be a success. But for you, it seems like you understand that hard work is definitely essential, but there's so much more. Did you ever struggle with wanting to overwork? Like maybe when you were a junior doctor or right out of med school, not wanting to take Sabbath because you're too busy and too many things to do? For me, I always know that it's very important for me to draw boundaries. Okay. Because if I really want that work-life balance, right? But then like, I think it is also very important for us to see the kind of role that we play at work. Mm. I think be, to be a doctor to me is more of a calling. You know, have you heard of this sentence? I think it's the, from the book, When Breath Becomes Air. It's putting lifestyle first is how you find a job, not a calling. Mm. So I feel like sometimes there's definitely come like times that I need to know that this job is just so much more than a job only. It is also a calling that God specifically put me here, positioned me that I can speak loud of his goodness and really be able to help people. I actually find it a privilege, even though there are times that I was so, so tired. And I mean, the worst is like, you need to break the bad news to the families who are waiting outside a medical ward. Like 3 a.m., you're super tired, you really wanna sleep, but then you need to break that bad news to the family. I mean, like, it is difficult moment. I still remember like, I have to do this. And like, I told a family and they just, burst into tears, kneel onto the ground and just really shake my body. It's like, can you save him? Can you save him? And those are the hard moments. But I think those are also the moments that make me realize that we are saving life. I'm not working just a job. I'm also in this position to, as a doctor, to help, to save and to encourage as well. Even though sometimes, I mean, I, I see so many, like the frailty of humanity, right? Like, 
there are just things that we cannot help mm. in this world. But we got to have a faith that God is the ultimate healer, but not us. It actually took me a long while to come to this point. I feel like seven years ago when I graduated from med school, I was actually a very passionate doctor. I was like super passionate, ready to use my knowledge and skills to help people. Because I feel like there's nothing that is like impossible. And if you have the certain skills, you will be able to help the patient. Like super passionate. But like, actually, as soon as I start this job, I realized I was too naive because there are just so many chronic medical diseases that is out of the control of human. A lot of the time we only give the best medicine, best medical treatment, and sometimes really need to see if the patient's body would be able to respond to the therapy that we give him. When I was junior doctor, I struggled with the fact that like, how come I give same medicine, same therapy to two different patients who suffer from the same diseases, but the outcome could be so different. Ultimately, it comes down to a lot of things, right? Like we know genetics, mutations, environmental influences, but everyone's comorbidities are different. Like a lot of factors we know as a doctor. But I think ultimately, because we also need to recognize the fact that we are only vessels and God is the ultimate healer. And we were placed there to give what we know, like scientifically, is the best medical therapy. But like, I shouldn't see myself as the healer. I come to this point of total humility, and just surrender and recognizing that, like, like seriously, I'm only a vessel and I have to overcome this pride in myself. That's really powerful. So would you say that throughout your career as a doctor, it's made you, you know, as much of the science as you know, it's made you more confident that like really God exists and that's continued to grow as you become more experienced? Oh, definitely. Definitely. The more I work as a doctor, the more I realized that there's just no way for all their cells, all their organ structures to work in such harmony in the human body, you know, like every body part function perfectly in a biological kind of way. I just feel like the more I see how a human body works, the more I believe there's definitely a creator in this universe. And like, I mean, for a question, we believe that God made us, right? And I have the faith about it. We also both believe that God still heals today, that God can heal through medicine and God can also heal through like, I don't know how that happened, but all of a sudden I'm better or, you know, mm. something has changed. Do you want to talk about that at all? Like seeing this could only be God kinds of moments? A lot of those moments, actually. I think the more I work as a doctor, the more I believe there are miracles in the hospital. To start off with, when I'm still a junior doctor, I believe that a lot of things really need to, we need, we need to have scientific basis in order for medicine to work. When we know a person, a patient suffers from terminal diseases, we will break bad news like the prognosis is really bad um, to the patient and, and the family. And we know that scientifically speaking, maybe there's only limited treatment options. And sometimes we'll talk more towards palliative care. But then actually, the more I become a doctor, the more I realize the prayers really work. There is a reason that God asked us to go out there, preach his goodness, and, you know, really pray and perform signs and wonders. I should believe in that a lot. Because sometimes in the hospital, because as you know, I deal with a lot of cancer patients as well. Sometimes I know that this chemotherapy, according to the studies, the current evidence, the overall survival rate is not high at all. 
but somehow the patient can make it. And sometimes if we really need to pray a lot, the patients also have great faith. I mean, sometimes when you close like that, just really encourage me as a doctor as well. I can give you an example, a super motivating story. This is the first patient that I gave my phone number to, my personal phone number to. And he's a patient who suffers from acute myeloid leukemia. Um, and he, his disease is so aggressive, he failed at least like four different lines of chemotherapy, like chemo immunotherapy. So like when everyone thinks he couldn't make it, we started to pray for him at hospital. I mean, he was a very proud young man, actually. He didn't believe in God before he was sick. But during his hospital, during his time in the hospital, he knew his prognosis is poor. There's just, if scientifically speaking, there's no treatment options, then why not believe in God, right? So he stopped praying with us and with the nurses. Oh, we got some really good nurses at my hospital as well. And together we pray for him. And I remember just one day, suddenly his disease responded. And like now he even underwent the bone marrow transplant and he got this trash from the hospital and in remission now. There's still a lot of monitoring and follow-up we need to do because the disease can always come back, right? Given the aggressive nature. But a patient told me, really without God, he wouldn't even have this momentum to keep forward. Just because he believed there is a bigger sovereign God he, right out there, he could cry out to him. He becomes such a faithful Christian. And actually a few days ago, it was the Mid-Autumn Festival, right? He texted me to say, happy Mid-Autumn Festival. And then he showed me a picture and it was the picture he went to get baptized in the church. It was quite amazing, seriously, because for him with such weak immune function, usually we don't advise him to go to anywhere with a lot of people just to avoid contact in crowded places. When, but then as soon as his immune function recovered, because for now he's post-transplant, already passed the most critical period, the first place that he chose to go apart from hospital and home is church. Honestly, I feel super encouraged and inspired by him. And I believe God really did a miracle in his life. Oh man, like shivers. That's so, that's so awesome. It's always like that. Like when you think it is impossible, when you think you are dying, miracles happen. Like at mm. that time, at that night of your soul, God intervened. I mean, sometimes, okay, obviously we see a lot of sufferings with no answer as well. But like, does that mean that God isn't here? I think we should pray for eyes to see his goodness, especially in times of trouble, especially when we're undergoing like difficulties. Because I believe faith is forged in the midst of fire. And sometimes it is because we were so weak, we cry out to him. Mm. And there when we were being a like super still, it was the best time for us to hear him. Mm. Yeah, that is so true. If you're comfortable, would you maybe tell us about something that you are still praying for and contending for? Well, there are so many areas in my life that are not perfect right now, but is it okay because it is yeah. your own story, you know? Yeah. And ultimately you need to trust who is the author of your story. I mean, for me, I just believe in a simple sentence. When I give everything in God's hand, God's hand will be on my everything. Mm, love that. Amazing. Something that I cling on to. The area that I'm praying for, first of all, for work. Like, seriously, I am afraid that I will go back to that cycle of burnout 
and don't want to work as a doctor anymore. Because this is real. This is a struggle that a lot of my colleagues face as well. Because hospital pressure is very high, especially recently in Hong Kong, we have so many doctors leaving Hong Kong as well. And we have manpower shortage and we all need to share the burden at work. The overall morale is just low. A lot of people, a lot of my colleagues feel very discouraged to continue to work in the public sector. And I think like this is real. And I don't, I just don't want to go back to the cycle of feeling discouraged, feeling burnt out and lose my faith as a doctor. I feel like this is a cycle that everyone of us will face, you know, like there's no perfect workplace, but like how to keep my faith in the midst of all these like chaos is real. And I think it all comes down to whether you were able to pray and to seek that peace that this world cannot offer, but like God promised that he will gift us. Work-life balance is definitely something real as well. I think it is so important. Like we talk about cultivating rest and also know what you love. Remember who you are. What are your hobbies? What are the people who matters to you? I mean, these are all important things to remember. But sometimes you will just forget. And I need to learn how to remember these. So when time of adversity hit again, I will have something to cling on to. I will know that I'm still living. I'm not on a survival mode. There's just so much more that this world can offer. To close, could you maybe pray for any listener maybe who is struggling with something that you've mentioned and wants to really incorporate God in there every day? Yeah, sure. Dear Father God, thank you so much for this time that we get to share the testimony this way, Lord. Father God, I pray for people who are in the midst of um, sufferings and difficulty. Father Lord, you will bring more people to to you, Father Lord, I pray that you will open their eyes and ears that they will be able to really seek you and seek you and see you, Father God, in the midst of the fire, Lord. Father God, because I believe that every time when we cry out to you, you are here. You are our refuge. You are our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. There are a lot of things we don't understand in this world. But Lord, Father God, I pray that you will just give us this faith and confidence to take heart and have the courage to know that ultimately we're saving your hands. Ultimately, your thoughts and your ways is just so much higher than ours. And when we have submit our request to you, we can have this peace. We can have this peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray that when we are unsure about a lot of things, we can always come to you, Father Lord. I pray that you will also give us this, you will also give us this peace and just this total surrender to know that like ultimately if we put our faith in you you will intervene you will come through teach us how to be strong and courageous do not be afraid and do not be discouraged because you are with us wherever we go Lord. father god i just really pray that our testimony today will be able to minister to the people who are listening and i pray that you will just we knew our perspective, we knew our eyes to see that you are working in this world every day, Father Lord, that you care for everyone who comes to you. And even for people who don't know you yet, um, you absolutely want them to also um, have the eyes to see you. Lord. Father God, thank you so much uh, for this precious time. And I pray that we will be encouraged today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Amy.